0: Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. Um, Today I want to pick up on part three of the uh, series that I've been doing on uh, Enlightenment under attack. Uh, I want to move a little bit into where can we go from here. Uh, But first I want to talk about some of the more contemporary attacks on Enlightenment um, and some of the consequences of those attacks. Uh, Two of the big schools of philosophy and literary theory that have attacked uh, enlightenment have been postmodernism and deconstruction. Uh, Postmodernism really attacks from the grounds that uh, the universe is too complicated to understand completely and every time you make sense of one part of it, there will be other parts that don't fit into it. So it's sort of the belief that we do not have the ability to come up with an all-encompassing Narrative that explains everything. Now, when it comes to literary analysis, this means you can't come up with the one correct reading of a literary text or the one correct reading uh, of anything. Um, When you try to do this, uh, you have to um, ignore large parts of it because they won't make sense within the framework you've constructed. Uh, And in the framework of even writing something, there will always be parts that do not connect uh, necessarily to the rest of it. Now, from the perspective of deconstruction, deconstruction is more of a linguistic uh, attack. Uh, Deconstruction basically um, centers on the fact that language, uh, the words, will never give you the object they represent, that there's always a gap in between them. Uh, You can't get from the word tree 100% to tree. In fact, all you can get are other words that describe tree. So the moment you try to um, nail a word down with a one-to-one relationship, the word to or the symbol to the object that it represents, uh, you find yourself in an endless stream of other words. Uh, So deconstruction kind of... uh, Takes away the ability, at least, uh, from getting from the world of words and the world of ideas to the real word, uh, to the real world. Um, this technique, along with postmodernism, uh, were both developed as ways to kind of uh, overthrow the dominant narratives, uh, to overthrow uh, authoritarian ideas, to overthrow narratives that would. Seek to silence every other opinion. Now, while these are uh, good, they've also been used, as I've talked about a little bit in the earlier podcasts, as ways of dividing people, as ways of putting people into their own little world, and no argument um, is valid from a world outside of the one that they inhabit, from a world outside of where they believe Um, The problem with this is it tends to lead to a relativism, uh, where every idea is as good as every other idea, or as bad as every other idea. Uh, And in the real world that we live in, uh, you can't function that way. You actually have to be able to make decisions and go in particular directions. Uh, If you're just trapped forever because you can't decide which idea is better than the other then you are eternally stuck. Now this is something that um, has caused a lot of the problems in the modern world. You have people from a religious perspective or a secular perspective, scientific perspective, or even divisions within those that see themselves as um, not having to give any credence to the other ideas. Um, They sort of look at the other set of ideas as being completely foolish, completely irrelevant, and something they don't even have to take into consideration. Uh, part of these attacks, as I said, go back to Kant and Hume, but they really go back even further than that. Kant and Hume were the first ones to kind of uh, to kind of put doubt into it, uh, where we have a doubt that we can actually understand the outside world. Uh, and Again, their pushback uh, was, had to do with uh, the desire for freedom and the desire to sort of make room for the religious so that we don't just live in a clockwork universe of science. Now, the way that they attack is to basically um, attack the idea that you can know something with absolute certainty. And this idea of having to know with absolute certainty actually goes back to to Plato, and it even goes back prior to him to the pre-Socratic philosophers, where they wanted to ground all of reality on something. Now for Plato, Plato came up with the ideal world, the world of forms. This was the perfect world, and everything in this uh, world of forms uh, was the real reality. Uh, Plato saw the... Uh, world that we lived in, as a very uh, poor representation of that. And part of the problem that Plato and many of the philosophers have is their inability to deal with change. Um, They want to have this perfect, unchanging universe, or this perfect, unchanging, unmoving foundation from which they can build everything, because they see change as a weakness. They see change as something evil. The problem with building a solid, found unmoving foundation is that while you can do that, you have to build that foundation outside of this universe. Uh, we do not live in a solid, unchanging universe. Everything in the universe is in constant motion and under constant change. So if you set up a system that is is set up to be on unmoving, foundations, unchangeable foundations, uh, you've basically set up a system that will never describe the world we actually live in. Um, Far from being an imperfection or an evil, uh, change is what is actually necessary in the universe, change is what allows things to become more uh, complex, to allow life to move in different directions, and the universe and physically itself, to move in different directions. You know, stars aren't eternal. Our sun had a birth, it has a lifespan, it will have a death. Um, These are all things that happen in the universe. Uh, They happen everywhere in the universe. Everything is moving, everything is changing. So for philosophy to try to say we want unmoving, unchanging foundations is really to kind of jump out of the world of reality. Uh, That would be as if I were going to plan a car trip from Michigan to California. But instead of getting out the maps and looking at where the roads actually are and how I'd actually have to get there, I'm going to start my trip on Mars. And I'm going to put my car on the equator of Mars in this sort of mind uh, experiment but not even the real Mars. This is a perfect unchanging Mars uh, that is um, free of all of the problems of change and gravity and all of these things that uh, and obstacles that can make things difficult. So I plot out this uh, trip uh, starting from the equator to Mars going to the North Pole of Mars and then somehow magically I'm expecting that I will be in California. Well Just from that thought experiment, you can see that this is absolutely ridiculous. If I actually want to go to California from Michigan, I have to look at what are the routes that will actually get me there. So I have to deal with the world that I actually live in. And I have to be able to make changes. Um, I might map out one course and then find out, no, that freeway is closed for construction. So I'll have to map out a different route. Far from being something that is a negative or a weakness, um, this is something that allows me to deal with the actual world I live in. Um, This requirement that philosophers have often put for absolute certainty, and if you don't have absolute certainty, then you just throw your hands up and go do something else, um, it is really a non-realistic way of looking at philosophy and a non-realistic way of looking at the world. Um, if we want to make decisions about going this way or that way, doing this thing or doing that thing, we have to look at not what is the ideal world and start in a place that doesn't exist, but we have to actually look at the world as it is. We have to look at the evidence that we have and make decisions based on that. Um, not all decisions will be equally good. Some of them will be better. Not all interpretations of the facts are equally good. Um, some interpretations will have much more evidence. Um, so this idea we've kind of drifted into that all ideas are as good as every other idea uh, is really a is foolishness. Um, Now, I did talk about some of the problems with the Enlightenment. And I don't see the project of the Enlightenment as being this perfectly formed project from the beginning. But that's never what it was intended to be anyways. Um, The Enlightenment, the people who were actually understood it and understood what it meant, knew that they couldn't... um, just go to some pre-established values some pre-established tables and make every decision from there they have to actually use things like scientific method experimentation observation you know you have to use logic and then you have to um, weigh that logic and mathematics as well against what you actually see Even early in philosophy, you know, there started to be pointed out some of the limitations of mathematics. And logic has limitations as well. Um, for example, uh, if there was an ancient Greek philosopher uh, who said that movement was impossible. Because to get to, from point A to point B, before you can travel that distance, you have to travel half the distance first. And then before you can travel the rest of that distance, you again have to cut that distance in half. And mathematically you can divide a number by two forever and you will get closer and closer to that point, but you will never actually get there because you can divide by two for all of eternity. And so mathematics and logic are valuable tools, but they do have limitations as well. It doesn't mean we throw them out and say, well, every other way of thinking about things are equally valid. Uh, there are ways where mathematics and logic uh, may not give us 100% certainty, but they get us pretty close. You know, One of the things that amazes me is the people who um, want to say, you know, science is complete bull. It doesn't have a solid foundation on anything, and often they'll write about this on their computer and post it on the internet. Which is something that always makes me laugh, because obviously if science has no value and doesn't work, there would be no computer, there would be no internet, there would be no electricity, there would be no modern technology uh, whatsoever. So the thought that, well, you know, science doesn't give us every answer so we can just throw it out, um, is a bit foolish. Um, Will it eventually give us every answer? Probably not. But it does give us better answers than what we have had in the past. Um, 200 years ago, uh, if I wanted to fly from uh, you know, the North Americas to Europe and then fly to Africa, this would not be possible 200 years ago. This would be um, science fiction. This would be uh, pure fantasy but because of science, things like this are now possible. Now, the same can be said of uh, philosophies and, you know, looking at different political and economic systems. Um, The ways that they have been set up in the past does not mean that's limited, and it, it either has to work that way, or we just have to abandon the idea of everything. You know, the Systems were all made with the idea of you come up with an idea, you measure it against reality. If it gives a good explanation or gives a good path through charting through reality, then it's a good idea. If it does not, then depending on how badly off it is, you either disregard the whole idea and come up with something else, or you make changes to the idea. You tweak the system. Um, No invention... Uh, Was in its final form the first time it was thought of. You know, look at the automobile for example. The first automobile invented is Not as far as we ever went. There have been steady improvements, sometimes uh, Ways that slipped backwards a little bit, but for the most part the improvements have gone forward. Uh, A car that was the first automobile up against a car that we have today isn't even really going to be in the same league anymore. You know, we've learned more. We've tested things. We've seen what things work, what things don't work, what things needed improvement. So part of the problem with modern life is that philosophers um, have often, because they can't have the certainty they want, um, and often for reasons, you know, they challenged it for reasons of wanting freedom or wanting to oppose Uh, authoritarians or wanting to make room for religion, uh, they've wanted to throw out the whole thing and say, well every idea is as good as the next and you can't really uh, do anything about it. Now the problem what this has done for philosophy and what it's done for society is it's removed philosophy from everyday life. Um, And so people are still using philosophy they're just using old philosophies uncritically. Um, basically, they're using whatever philosophies they were handed through their culture, through their schooling, through their family, through their churches, through their you know, towns, uh, through their countries, without being critical of these things. Uh, and wondering, is this the best way? Are there ways we can make improvements? You know, what parts of what we're doing make a lot of sense and we should keep doing it? What parts of what we're doing make absolutely no sense? And these may be things that made sense at one time, but no longer make sense now. Um, You have to remember, whenever a system has been set up, the people who have set it up have always had this idea that This is an unchanging idea. It's always going to be like this, and these are the rules written in stone. And whenever something becomes beyond question, it eventually becomes extinct, Um, whether it's an idea, whether it's a creature. Uh, Part of what Darwinism uh, points out is that the things that survive are not necessarily the strongest or the fastest. Uh, They're the things that are able to adapt to changes in conditions, you know, this is something that should have been added more to philosophy, uh, not to make it more relative and say, well, there's no point of it whatsoever, but to push us towards philosophies that kind of embrace that idea, embrace the idea of we don't have to go by what people did hundreds of years ago. Um, We need to look at the conditions now what we have now, how things are now, and make our decisions based on that. Okay, I'm going to break off for there. Um, I hope all of you are doing well, and I will talk to you all again soon. Have a good night.